You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Today's message is entitled, My Father, My Father. And this is a quote from Jesus. That's the context here, My Father. And we have the picture of the vineyard, and I'll talk about that and what it means very soon. So, Father, I'm asking that you would water us that we would drink of your living water, that we would be refreshed and revived, and that you'd wash our eyes so that we can see the beauty of who you are, Jesus, and also the glory of our Father, that we would see the glory of who you are. Give me the grace to share uh, exactly what you want me to share, and lift us higher, Lord. We ask for a great peace to rest on this message and for the word to go out and do its work in our hearts and cause your kingdom to advance. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's put our hands on our hearts and pray this with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. In your precious name, amen. So my father, let's get into this. Here is last week. Could you believe it was last Sunday? There's Gideon and Tabo getting married. And you can see the beautiful flowers. And today, I'm inspired to share based on what the father spoke to me through Gideon and Tabo's wedding and John chapter 15, which already started to come out in the prophecies and the different words, uh, what Christine shared and Anna shared and some prayers. So we thank God that last Sunday's wedding was filled with joy and bursting with life. And uh, I was so blessed to look at the, everybody that had, had come, and there was such joy on their faces, and that they were... Uh, talking and laughing, and it was just one of those wonderful days where God was glorified and His presence was with us. So uh, congratulations to Gideon and Tabo, and now they're in Greece, the Greece Islands. So <laughs> I know Gideon's been saving up all year for that. He's been working really hard. Here is a picture of the area. Uh, which is very close to where Anne lives. In the uh, corner there, you can see a vineyard, but the vineyard is not yet in bloom because of the season. But there's this pond here. I like how the pond reflects. Because of the still water, it reflects the clouds. 
and I had the blessing, many of you know this, I had the blessing of sharing the message for my son's wedding. And a few months before, I thought of backing out, thinking it was too much. Uh, not backing out of the wedding. <laughs> Con <laughs> Concentrating on the wedding, but not speaking. I thought, as I was getting closer and closer to the wedding, I thought, this is a really a difficult thing to speak at your son's wedding, and it's our firstborn son, and, and there's so much going on with the wedding. Maybe I should, I was, just, I was just about to tell Peter, and we did it in tandem, Peter and I, and I was just about to tell Pastor Peter, can you share the message? Because I think I'm going to have to concentrate just on the, the wedding aspect. Uh, but a few people persuaded me, I said that to a couple people, a few people persuaded me to speak, and I'm glad I did. So I'll, I'll share a little bit of what I shared there, and this isn't the same exact message, though. So here's the vineyard. These are photos. Uh, most of the photos are from the area where the wedding took place. Uh, some of them are, are not, but this one is from the area of the vineyard. We visited the wedding place. This is it's Ocean Views Estate, Ocean Views Estate up the Mount Me Road. We visited the wedding place about a week earlier, and as I sat and I prayed, uh, I pray, as I sat, I prayed. As I sat, I prayed, Father, speak to me. And immediately I began to see the setting differently. So I, was sat, I sat there, I was looking at this environment. And I said, Father, speak to me, because I want a word from you. And I began to see the setting differently. The Lord highlighted to me the vineyard. The whole place reminded me of the Song of Songs. And if you know the Song of Songs, you know that vineyards and gardens are a feature of the Song of Songs, and they represent the marriage relationship. And so I was grateful that the Father was speaking to me. This is another picture from that area. Then the verse came to me where Jesus said, I am the vine. He's speaking about being the grapevine. I am the grapevine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So this verse really stood out to me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Here is, in the reception hall, they have these vines taken down. You can see that the vine is like a cross. You have the vine, you have the branches, and the fruit will be on the branches. This was cut down, and this was decoration at the reception hall. I saw the secret of a successful and fruitful marriage hidden in God's creation, specifically in the vine and the branches. And this is the message that I shared with Gideon and Tabo and the wedding uh, congregation. So I saw that the secret of a successful and fruitful marriage is hidden in God's creation, specifically the vine and branches. The mystery was intimacy with Jesus. That was the secret. 
to a successful and fruitful marriage, joyful marriage, is intimacy with Jesus. It's not about looking to one another, but instead looking to Jesus and giving each other what you received from Him. And not only is this the secret to a fruitful and successful marriage, it is the secret to life itself. Because too often we're looking to one another for uh, something which we can only receive from the Lord. And of course, it's good to receive from one another. It's important to receive from one another, from one another but a primary source is Jesus himself. And if we're receiving life from him, then we're able to give life and we're not becoming too needy on others for our life. Even though God has made us interdependent on one another, the primary dependence we have is on Jesus himself. So the secret is intimacy with Jesus. It's not about looking to one another, but instead looking to Jesus and giving each other what you received from him. And so I talked about that at the wedding. And here is a photo of us before that pond that was reflecting the clouds. You can see the vineyard in the background. You can see how beautiful Anna looks and the bride and Gideon with his bow tie. <laughs> I share with Gideon and Tabo that their marriage to Jesus, staying close to him and constantly listening to his voice was most important. Their marriage to Jesus was most important. And in all of our life, that is the most important marriage, our marriage to Jesus. Being close to him, listening to his voice. And that brings us to John 15, and we're going to read quite a long section here, but not too long. Uh, John 15, 1 through 25. So if you do have your Bibles, turn there. If you don't, listen carefully. So let's read John 15, 1 through 25, and I want you to notice all the times Jesus says, my. Now say right now, my. my. <laughs> With an American accent, please. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I want you to notice all the times Jesus says, my, and realize that when you are intimately, uh, sorry, realize that when you intimately dwell in the vine, what is of Jesus is yours. It's from Jesus's my that our fruitfulness comes. So our fruitfulness comes from his my and having his my given to us. Realize that when you intimately dwell in the vine, what is of Jesus is yours. So as we read this, I want you to listen for all the times Jesus says my, and I want you to give me a little holler, something like, hey, or uh-oh, uh, however you want to do it. So here, I'm going to see if you can catch them all. John 15, 1. Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. <laughs> yeah, you got the title of the message. That's good. My father. Good. 
That's the first one. <laughs> yeah, we did like a bell. Verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, I just want to make a reflection here that in the Greek that uh, he cuts off can be translated a different way, and I translate it a different way in my translation, though I don't have that uh, with me here. But it's also, it's the classic word for he raises up. The, the it's the classic Greek word for he raises so the idea I see here is that when a branch is not bearing fruit, it's laying low. He raises it up so that it can bear fruit. So that's what I, uh, that's my take on here, that he raises up every branch in him that bears no fruit. In other words, he's caring for it so that it can bear fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain... <laughs> That's good. You got if you remain in me and my words, let's say that, my words, remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory. There it is, my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. All right? My disciples, let's say that, my disciples. Oh, we could do that with more conviction. My disciples. My disciples. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. <laughs> you got that. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Good on you, Yushi. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. Hey, you're getting good at this. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. Woohoo! And that your joy may be complete. So that our joy comes from His joy. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. 
Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have, an, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. So we'll stop there. It ends on a quite a sober note. Sober note. We'll, we're going to look again at all those mys. And he did a good job recognizing them. Here was at the wedding. This was the wedding table. Uh, you see all the beautiful flowers. These were the ones that uh, Allie made? Oh, the bottom ones. Okay. The bottom ones, I don't have a, a good picture of those. But Allison did an amazing job with the flowers. And that's the wedding table. So the first my we saw is my father. And you see this in verse... 1, verse 8, verse 10, verse 15, verse 23, verse 24. My Father. Jesus calls the Father, God, my Father, which was very controversial. And in the end, it's one of the reasons why they crucified him. That intimacy they saw as blasphemous. Many religious people saw that as blasphemous. That he would say, my Father, and that it would be so personal. And then we have my words, my words, John 15, 7. So that everything that is of Jesus, his father, his words, when we are in the vine is communicated to us, is given to us, is imparted to us, my words. Then the third thing is my disciples, my disciples. Now, here's the thing that I think our generation has a real, real trouble with. This is John 15, 8, my disciples. One of the things that we have trouble with is we kind of just think uh, it's all about me and Jesus, but if it's about me and Jesus, then it has to also be about his disciples because they're, they're his disciples. As Jesus says, they're my disciples, and so whatever is of Jesus needs to be ours also. So we have fellow disciples brothers and sisters that we journey with, and we don't journey alone. We'll talk more about that more, clarifying, clarifying that more soon. The fourth thing is he says is my love. Now, I may talk about this more in the weeks to come, but John 15, 9 this is how we love. It's not our love. It's his love in us and flowing through us. Because he, we are abiding in him and he is abiding in us. We have that mutual interdwelling relationship and we love out of his love. So there's going to be many times in our lives where we're put to a point where we cannot love. What somebody does to us is too much or, or too frequent. And we run out of our love. 
And that is for a purpose that we would depend on and rely on His love in us. We need to know that love for ourselves. We need to know that love for others. His love, which He says, my love. I'll replace my with His. We have His Father, His words, His disciples, His love. And then the fifth thing is His commandments, or what He says, my commandments. We see that in John 15, 10, and 12. All these things are worthy to really look into deeply, and if God permits, we may do it in the future. Six, my Father's commandments, which is very similar. We have my commandments, and we know that Jesus and his Father are one, and now he says in John 15, 10, my Father's commandments. Seventh thing is my joy. And when I said that, there was a lot of joy. Uh, that my joy, his joy is how we have joy in life. So our emotions will fall short. Our emotions will not always be happy. But we draw from and we drink from his joy. Hallelujah. Notice how everything is becoming him-centered. Centered on him. Eight, my friends, John 15, 14. He calls us his friends, my friends. And so whoever is his friends needs to be our friends too because we're in this together. This is a marriage. When you have a vine and a branch, they're unified together. They're married together. They're dependent on one another. And so his friends become our friends. Nine, my name. He talks about my name, which one of the big mistakes is we just tack that on at the end of our prayers. We pray and we say in Jesus' name. But what, to, what it means to pray in Jesus' name means to pray in his will, his authority, to pray based on his character, uh, his nature. It means praying as a representative, like if someone from America comes to Australia and they're an ambassador, what they do is in the name of the United States. They can't just do whatever they want and say that's in, uh, in the name of the United States. They have to do what is in, in accordance with the govern, government's will and purpose. Otherwise, they get fired, right? <laughs> you're ambassador no longer because you're not rep representing our name. This is why Jesus teaches us to pray in his name. It's not just tagging it along at the end of our prayers, though it is good to do that if we realize that praying in his name means praying in submission to the Father's will and his heart, really knowing his heart. And the last thing here, oh, that should be number 10. <laughs> number 10, I have nine repeated twice. The last thing here, number 10, is my teaching, it says in the NIV, in, literally it's my logos, my logos. And uh, this is talking about the heart and essence of what Jesus teaches. So those are the 10 things, the 10 things that are mentioned here in John chapter 15, 1 through 25. Now here's the, oh, let me move this here. This was at the wedding reception. 
There are Tabo's parents there. We have MP, MP because his name is hard to say, so we say MP. And in the Zimbabwean language, it's really cool. They have different sounds like and the like the click sounds. Click and different click sounds and different sounds that I found very fascinating, me loving languages. And there's Tabo's beautiful mom, Loma, and there is Anna, beautiful, and celebrating a birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, Anna. That's, you can see that vine up, up on the reception hall there on top of, uh, up above Loma. Okay, I'm moving this around. In marriage, in marriage, the two become one. The new covenant is all about becoming one with Jesus. We're invited to his table, and what is his becomes ours. Can I say that again? In marriage, the two become one. The new covenant is all about becoming one with Jesus. And we're going to be taking communion, and that is symbolic of that oneness, that his body becomes a part of us, that his blood becomes a part of us, taken inside of us. We're invited to his table through the new covenant, and what is his becomes ours. It becomes what we feast on and what we celebrate. All those things we talked about, all those things that we, we just... We just read about, oh, I'm going back here, his father, his words, his disciples, his love, his commandments, his father's commandments, his joy, his friends, his name, and his teaching all become ours. Here is Gideon Tabo when they sign their wedding certificate. And at this point, I want to say, let what is his become yours. Let what is his become yours. In other words, remain in him. He will remain in you. Abide in him. Dwell in him. Let what is his become yours. And that's the secret to living victoriously. Letting what is his become yours. It's the secret to living victoriously. It's a secret also to forgiving others. Because we forgive out of his love. And this has been a theme uh, over the last few weeks. We've talked about faith. But it's his faith in us. His trust in us. We've talked about hope. Hope is his hope in us. So that's why it's solid. And this week was specifically focusing on his father. Further, let what is yours become his. So again, there's a two-way relationship that we see here in John 15. Let what is yours become his. And then when you do that, 
let him take away those things which are not good, like your sins become his on the cross, and he takes them away. Your pain becomes his. Your suffering becomes his. Your finances become, becomes his. Your family becomes his. Your resources become his. So let what is yours become his. And then that which is incomplete and insufficient, you let him come and supply his life there. This is not that vineyard. <laughs> That's too green, <laughs> right? Because the, the vineyard we were at was just at the beginning of a new season. Listen to what Jesus says to Mary, his first apostle, sent one after his resurrection. Now, what I said there is controversial. I'm calling Mary after the Mary who brought the message of the resurrection, his first apostle. But that is based on what I've been teaching at school, that the word apostle doesn't mean often this thing that we think it means uh, as uh, some special class of uh, a man who has many churches under him and he dictates and controls everything like a CEO. But rather, apostle is that apostolos, it comes from the Greek, which means a sent one, a sent one. And who's the first one that Jesus is sending after the resurrection? He's sending a woman. He's sending Mary. And Mary is going with his message and being sent by him. And notice what he says. He says to her in John 20, 17, go instead to my brothers, because she's clinging to him. And Jesus says, go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Notice that Jesus has now included the disciples, or at least affirmed to them that his father was now their father, that his God was now their God. Uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was their God. And so they are identified with the Father. They are identified with God. I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. That really sums up what I've been talking about today. You take a leap by letting go of what is yours for what is his. This parkour-style leap jumps from the known to the unknown, from being me-centered to being he-centered. Can I say that one again? I didn't get your permission yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you take a leap by letting go of what is yours for what is his. So you're letting go of your love for his love. You're letting go of your joy for his joy. You're letting go of your suffering for, for his life, for his healing, for his restoration. You're letting go of your possessions for his. You're letting go of this earth for the heavenly resources. You're leaving your table of little scraps and the breadcrumbs to his table, which table, which is a lavish feast. 
You, you take a leap by letting go of what is yours for what is his. This popcorn-styled leap jumps from the known to the unknown, from being me-centered to being he-centered. And that's the call for all of us, It's to come into what is his. We are called into what is his. We are called to his table. We are called to being married to him. We're called to be united with him. By trusting God and confidently expecting his goodness, you lose the old self-focused life and gain his life. It's a life of sitting at his table and resting in his vine. One of the things the branch has to do is the branch has to rest, <laughs> to dwell, to rest, to abide, to remain. It's resting in the vine. And we heard that through Christine sharing the importance of resting in the Lord, sitting at his table. And there has to be this great shift that happens where our life is not self-focused on ourselves, but on his life. So again, what I would say, his commandments become our commandments. His will, his purposes, his plan become our plan. So we lay down our plan for his plan. We get caught up, raptured in him. And this is now the end. His life is now yours. And your life is his. This is the message of the vine and the branches, John 17. I mean, John 15, John 15. This is the message of the vine and the branches. That his life is now yours and your life is now his. And so I'll read John 15.5 again. I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. If you remain in me. Now let me add a couple words. If you dwell in me. If you're intimate with me. If you rest in me. If you remain in me and I in you. If you let me rest in you. If you let me dwell in you. If you let me abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't produce anything. In the, in the Greek there, it's that word dunamis. You know this word dunamis. You've heard about it before. You're not, you don't have any power to produce anything without that intimacy. His life becomes yours. Your life becomes him. But remember, in your life becoming his, it's always him at the center. Him at the center, rather than, rather than our lives revolving around ourselves, they revolve around him. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. How'd you go? <laughs> We're going we're gonna to pray now, and then we're going to come to the communion table. Father, our Father, 
we thank you for all that we have in Christ, all that we have in Jesus, that everything that is Jesus's is ours. And everything that is ours, we take this time to give it to you, Jesus. You have brought us into this marriage relationship with you, this unity, this oneness. Let us draw from that life. I pray, Father, that we would let you dwell within us, that we would abide in Jesus. We know that as we abide in Jesus, Jesus abides in us, that it's not a one-way relationship. It's a two-way relationship. But it's also a relationship where you're at the center and you're at the head. Father, we thank you that we are invited to your table. And I'm asking that we would draw our strength, our joy, our life, our love, even the direction of our lives from you, Lord. That your friends would be our friends that we would be learning alongside your disciples, that we would not have this independence from you and one another, but we would be dependent on you. And Lord, I'm, I'm dependent on you. And as a church, we are dependent on you. Let your grace be poured into, into us and just reveal to us the glory of your Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you made your father our father. You said to Mary, go to my father and your father, my God and your God. You included us. You made us one with you. I pray for the revelation of that to grow more and more this week. In Jesus' mighty name, let it grow, let it increase. Thank you, Lord. Amen.